0: I told the folks out at McCready Manor this afternoon about the world record that was set yesterday by a man named George Hood, former Marine, 62 years old. He set the world record for planking. When I told them that, one of them said, can you do it? And I thought about pulling a Ron Murray and... I don't I can't do a handstand on a bench. But I got down and showed them what planking is. Now, I've done it once, so I'm not gonna do it again. Planking is when you put your elbows on the floor or the ground and put your toes, you're on your elbows and your toes, and use your stomach to keep every nothing else can touch the floor. Knees, stomach, nothing. He set the world record yesterday. 62 years old, eight hours, 15 minutes, 15 seconds, and when he finished, he did 25 push-ups because he next wants to break the push-up record. Now that's a challenge. Anybody here want to take that challenge? Some of you, some of you have some really good ability. You could probably do some planking for a little while. That's a pretty good challenge. We're talking about challenges today. Joshua the great challenger issued a great challenge to the people that he was leading. We need to be people who are willing to face challenges. We need to be people who understand that challenges come And how are we going to deal with them? When challenges come, what's going to happen? What am I supposed to do? How am I going to get through that? Some of the challenges that we have, we don't mind at all. In fact, we rather enjoy it. I told them about being 12 years old, and we never, when I was growing up, went to a restaurant that I ever remembered. But on that 12th birthday, my dad said, Would you like to go and eat all-you-can-eat spaghetti? I said, absolutely, I will take that challenge. And I did. I ate spaghetti for the next three days, I think. Man, it was. I took the challenge, and it was a great challenge. Some challenges we like. Some challenges we don't like. Some things just happen to us, especially as we get older we face a few more pains, aches, weaknesses, problems. They're all challenges. They come. Not much we can do about them. So when challenges come, what's going to happen? What are we supposed to do? What kind of things do we need to keep in mind? I want you to look at this verse, or these two verses, 1 Peter 3. And I want to give you a few Familiar phrases that when challenges come, here's what I want us to remember. And at the end, I want to make a few practical applications, if you will. I want to begin with verse 15, where he says, always be ready. When you think about challenges, I want you to remember the phrase, ready or not. Here I come. Now, you know what that's like. That's hide and seek, right? And the person who is supposed to be finding is is counting. And before you can go look, you're supposed to yell for everyone to hear, ready or not, here I come. And then you're supposed to be able to look and hopefully not find them. That is, unless you're playing hide and seek with my grandson... Because he decided, while we were down there for the wedding, he decided, Brooks did, he wanted to play hide-and-seek. He can't talk really well, but I figured it out. He said, I seek. I hide there. Okay. (laughs) And he would stand there until I found him, and he just thought that's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, hide-and-seek. You know what? Can 't hide from challenges can't happen it's going to happen. Challenges are going to come, and they 're not going to yell necessarily, ready or not? This word "ready" is an interesting word. The word "ready means standing by at the ready. This is a concept of I am. At hand, I am prepared. When it comes, I'm ready. I'm standing there. I'm waiting. Since we know the challenges are going to come, since we know that we're going to have to face them, it only makes sense to be ready as much as we can or as best we can. We need to be standing by. Peter says to these people, we have to remember, these people are going through a great persecution. The Roman government is really coming down hard on Christians. And Peter is writing to people, his, his brethren, who are dealing with those challenges. And so he's really telling them, you need to stand by, because the truth is, challenges are already standing by you. When challenges come, think of the phrase, Ready or not, here I come. And be ready to face whatever comes. Number two, defense travels. Now, if you're a sports fan, you probably recognize that phrase. That's a phrase that says, Defense is something you can do all of the time, regardless of the arena in which you are playing. The truth is, the arenas where you are have a real effect on your offense more than on your defense. In basketball, if you are accustomed to the rims and the backboards where you play the most, when you change, it just doesn't feel the same. And it is affected. When you're used to playing in football in your stadium, and you're accustomed to the winds and how that works, you go to another stadium, and the offense takes a beating because you're just not as comfortable or familiar. That's what he's saying here. Defense travels. It doesn't matter where you go in sports. Every single venue where you go, you can always play defense. And that's what he's talking about here. Defense travels. What Peter is saying is, since you know challenges are coming, you don't know when, you don't know where, always have your defense with you. Always travel with your defense. Now, the word defense is the Greek word apologia, from which we get our word, apology. It has come to mean in our time, I'm sorry. That's not what it meant in Bible times. In fact, it meant something else. It meant have a defense. Tell why you believe what you believe. Let them know what it is that you stand for. Give them what you think. If we're going to be facing challenges, then I better know, we better know, what do we really believe in? What do we really hold on to? What is it that is really at the core of our being? Because we are going to be attacked. It's going to come. It will happen. Am I ready to face it? These challenges might come at us at a time when it's not the most ideal. It might hit us in an area where our weakest part is, but I need to know generally what I believe. I need to know what it is that I stand for. You can take your defense with you wherever you go. You may not know every time how to attack a situation, but you can always stand firm and defend your ground where you are when the challenge comes. Therefore, defense travels. Take your stance. Take your faith system. Take who you are at the core of your life everywhere you go and let it be so ingrained that you can stand with it no matter what happens. I don't know if you feel the same as I do, but I've often said that there are things I say over and over to people hoping that it will finally make it to me. If I say it enough to you, maybe I'll buy into it myself. If I remind you a lot, maybe I'll be reminding me. When I was first starting out in preaching, had no children. It seemed odd to me to preach a lesson on raising children. It just didn't make sense. I'd never done it. been around kids, but I had never done it. But what I would say came from the Word of God. And that would be my understanding of what God said. And what I would do is I would preach it in a way that says, I'm not so much telling you who are already there. I'm saying something so that I'll buy into it for when I have children. I want to Convince me first. I want to tell me first. And maybe if I say it enough, I'll have it with me everywhere I go. Because defense travels. Number three. When challenges come, say anything at all within reason. He says, be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you. Now this phrase, within reason, is a phrase that you may have heard before. For instance, if a husband says to a wife, I want to ask you to do something for me. She might say, well, I'll do anything within reason. Might be the same if the wife asks the husband, I'll do anything Within reason. What's the idea behind that? The idea is, all right, I'm going to tell you about what it is that is my system and my belief. This is who I am. And I'm going to always say what comes from that. But this word is saying, say something. Speak it. Say it. Announce it. The word actually is lagos. And it's the word for word or discourse. Here's what Peter is saying. Give a word for your hope. Speak it. Say it. Tell it. When a challenge faces us, when it comes in on us, when it catches us, say something in the battle. Say something to fight it. Let your stance be known. Challenges, we're going to see in a minute, come to people while others are watching. Say something. He's wanting us to be able not only to be ready, but to say that which we stand for. Now notice what he also says. In gentleness, was Caleb's translation, meekness, the idea is when you speak and with you, when you say, do it in a gentle way. But it has a forcefulness to it, this word meek. When you hear the song or sing the song, Jesus, meek and gentle. You remember that song, right? Yes, no, no. Okay, it's a beautiful song. It's an absolutely beautiful song. The problem is, if you don't know the word, you don't know know Jesus. The word meek doesn't mean he's not been out in the sun and he's white as a sheet, he's never lifted a weight in his life, and, and he's a pushover. That's not what meekness is, that's not even what gentleness is in Scripture. This meekness has an edge to it. It is a person who can be firm and strong and absolutely stable, but say it in such a way that nobody is turned off. Meekness. Be able to speak a word in the challenge where you can handle it without upsetting someone who might be bringing the challenge The classic example just might be, oh, you Church of Christ people, the ones who think you're the only ones going to heaven. What kind of defensive answer are you gonna give to that? What kind of word are you going to say? Are you gonna be just as rough in return as it was to you? That will do no good. Are you going to laugh and say, yeah, I know, We sometimes that's who we are, when that's not at all who we are? If we can make a stand that's firm and clear without turning anybody off, without upsetting anybody, but rather drawing them into continual discussion in that challenge, that is the meekness. And number two, with reverence. Not only should I respect the person I'm talking to, but most of all, I should respect God. God wants me to handle that challenge. God wants me to face that challenge. God wants me to win that challenge in a way that is right according to Him. I'm representing God in that challenge. When it comes, say anything you want within reason. That is... Give a word grounded and founded on God and let that be the standard, the discourse that you carry on in the challenge maybe to bring about a greater discussion and understanding with that person. Continue on. Verse 16. Having a good conscience. Remember this phrase, you know quite well, let your conscience be your guide. Now that phrase is often used by people who don't mean what this verse means. A lot of people will tell you, as long as it doesn't bother you, then it must be all right. But now wait a minute, I know a lot of people who do a lot of things that they don't feel bad about at all, but they're just not right at all. They're just not right. One of the things that I'm just amazed, I really am. Uh, I remember well being in my 20s and 30s and thinking, uh, I don't think that... uh, these kinds of things would ever happen. And here they are. I am amazed that we are in a society that sexual conduct is so loose that it doesn't seem to matter anymore. I'm listening to preachers who are counseling Christian couples Members of the Lord's Church who are consistently involved in sexual activity during their dating relationships. Where is this coming from? I don't remember hearing about that so much 30 years ago. Now, maybe it's because they weren't talking about it. They were just doing it. Now they're talking about it. Maybe. But the conscience doesn't bother them anymore. It doesn't matter to them. It doesn't even faze them. They don't think anymore that there's a problem when in fact God said it is. I was thinking the other day about the person who was being lamb blasted by someone because they made some kind of comment about the homosexual community and I was thinking to myself, I would say the very same thing about the heterosexual community acting in the same way they are. They're the same thing. God doesn't want either. That's just an example of how conscience be your guide. Let's bring it to us for a minute. Conscience be your guide. I wonder if people in the church are just not bothered at all by simply filling a pew as a part of their work for the church. It just doesn't bother them. What is it that you do? I sit in a pew. What do you do? I sing and pray. That's it. They're not involved at all in anything the church is doing. That's good enough. Conscience doesn't bother them if we get to the point as Christian people that our consciences do not bother us that we just simply don't do anything with the church we got a problem it should be bothering us let me tell you what this word is conscience it means to know together he's saying this. He's saying, I know that this is who I am and who I'm supposed to be. This conscience idea means it matches moral standings that have already been given to me. That's what the word means. It means It's matched with what's right. It's an outward behavior spawned by inward thought. My conscience is fine because what God wants is connected to what I'm doing. The conscience can be your guide if the conscience is guided by God. Finally, notice... Do this so that others who revile your good conduct will be ashamed." Your good conduct. Conduct here is built on a word that means upward. It is this inner belief system that generates outward conduct, outward behavior. When challenges come, here is the idea. When challenges come, remember, people are watching. People are watching us go through the challenge. So, have good conduct. What you see is what you get. Sometimes people are this way when things are good and this way when things are bad. To be one who stands well in challenges, I should be the same in both. When things are good, this is who I am. When things are bad, this is who I am. People watch us go through challenges. They are watching how we do. It's easy to be faithful when things are good and smooth. It's not so easy when things are challenging. And if I am constantly talking about how great God is and powerful He is and how I can't lose and I can't win when I can't lose and be defeated by the devil when things are going good, but then when a the challenge comes, it sees me fall apart. That's hypocritical. What you see is what you get. doesn't mean you can't be sad, concerned, maybe even angry when challenges come. But it doesn't change your spiritual life. You don't lash out at God. You don't lash out at others. You are who you are in challenge, just like you are when not being challenged. When challenges come, this is what Peter said we should do. But go back to the first words of the verse. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Make him holy in your life. That's an interesting way of phrasing it to me because he is holy. How can I make him holy? How can I make him set apart? Well, that's my part. He is who he is. Did I set him up in my heart? That's what he's saying. In order to handle challenges, the first thing I have to do is set God in my heart to set me apart from this life. And the reason that challenges are so difficult sometimes is because we are more physical than we are spiritual. Let me close with some practical things. You're going to be. We're going to be presented with the work for the coming year, for a coming two or three or four or five years. Some long-range planning. It's coming. There are things that are happening now, and there are things that have just been added. There is so. There is so much going on. So many opportunities for people to be involved. Find a place. Find your place. You're going to hear our shepherds make some challenges to us. What are we going to do with them? We're going to accept the challenge. You're going to hear deacons requesting people to be involved. You're going to take the challenge? You're going to hear program and ministry leaders who say in their particular area, "I need some help. Are we going to take the challenge?" We need to be people who are willing to take challenges handed to us, presented to us, laid in front of us, and they are going to be. We need to be people who will face challenges and face them well. We've been through a few, and we have many more, I'm sure, to go. It depends on how we are going to handle it as a team, a family, a congregation of people. I want to be challenged, don't you? Don't you want to be challenged to be better? In fact, I've gotten to the point where I've begun questioning in my head this thought. Am I supposed to go to some people and just say, let me ask you a question. I'm your preacher. Do you want me to keep Pointing out some things that need to be fixed? Or do you want me to leave you alone? That's an interesting question to me. Because you can talk and talk and talk. Things never change. Do you want me to quit? Do you want me to stop? I don't want people to stop doing it to me. I want to be challenged. I want to go and be in a a meeting with our shepherds and they say, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't we change this? Why don't you do this better? I want to be pushed. I want to be prodded. I think you do too because that's how we grow. God is constantly challenging us through his word with Christian people if we will be the family we need to be. Let's be people who are willing to take challenges and let them make us better because I'll tell you what, Challenges are coming. And when they come, Peter said, This is what you need to know. This is how you can handle it. Sometimes it might seem old hat, ineffective, and unnecessary. To end a sermon in the way that we do all the time. Sometimes I I get tired of it. I mean, I've I've stood in an aisle during invitation songs for 40 years of my life. Sometimes I think, is this really worth it? Is this really necessary? And then I think, yeah, it is. I had a lady one time tell me when I was leading singing full time in Tennessee, she said, Mike, don't you ever lead a song in an invitation song without leading every single verse. Because when I finally decided to obey the gospel, I was holding on to that pew. And if they had skipped one verse, I know I never would have responded. Sing them all. So we keep saying, if you're not a child of God, this is a great time to do it. Why wait? Take the challenge. Take the challenge to live for Jesus. If we're failing sometimes, and you want us to help, take the challenge. Let us help. Let us work together. Let's stand and sing together.